1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So the, the apostle was saying to the people in that day that he didn't want them to be ignorant. So then he went on and in, I guess pretty much he wrote two chapters worth of instruction and revelation regarding gifts. He says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away uh, to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is all the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let me stop there a second. The gifts of the Spirit are not to make me look good. The gifts of the Spirit are for the profit of all. They're for the edification of all. So we need to understand that. That's one of the major principles of the gifts. They are meant for edifying. They're not meant for destroying. They're meant for edification. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and having all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, therefore I am not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I should not be part of the body, is it therefore not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as we pleased? What does it say in your scripture? Just as He pleased. See, so... You are who you are because he pleased it. Whether he was pleased with it, yes, better said. Yes. It pleased him Amen. for you to be the way you are. Amen. So our goal is not to be like her, like him, like the other. Our goal is to be the best me that I can be. Yes. Because God made me unique. He made me precious. He, he gifted me. I'm unique. I'm special. And it pleases God. Say to your neighbor, you please God. Just by being who you are. Amen. And verse 19 says, And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No. Much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are unnecessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable... On these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. 
But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that lacks it. That there would be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Yet God is or rather, and God has appointed these in the church: first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Isn't that interesting? There are even gifts of administration. Amen. So those people that are annoying that want everything in order. <laughs> That's an anointing. Amen. That's a gifting, Amen. and it's vital, Amen. and you need them. And without them, we'd all go insane. Yes. When it's all charisma and jumping up and down and no order, we'll kill each other. Yes. We need the gifts of administration. And also says gifts of helps. Some people just love helping. Why are you always helping people? What's the matter with you? I'm anointed. That's an anointing. Some people just help just because. Just because. And you can't criticize that. Without that, forget it. You'll never build a church. You'll never have the church being clean. You'll never have order in the church. Helps are so vital. And the Bible says that God bestows great honor on these gifts. Not me. I want to be an apostle. Because when I'm an apostle, then I'll get real honor. Um, hello. You have honor already. When you understand that God placed you there and... With all due respect, apostles can't do a thing without the ministries of helps and without uh, the gifts of administration. We all need each other. Amen. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do you, have, do you all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. Then in, in uh, chapter 13, he goes into um, the word agape love the more excellent ways to flow in love amen bow your heads with me father we thank you for your word we pray lord that your glory would manifest today uh, may revelation knowledge flow mightily yes. i pray that you preach and you teach use yes. use my vessel lord god think through my mind speak through my lips glorify your name today open up the eyes of our understanding that we might clearly see what you are teaching us how you're preparing us my father to minister to more and more people as more and more precious people come to this ministry, Lord God, and sit in these chairs and open up their homes to us, uh, Lord, we'll be dealing with myriad of issues, my God, uh, that they are dealing with, that they are working with. And I thank you that you have anointed us to do so. Uh, but Father, I totally depend on you, uh, Lord. I know that it's a partnership. I know I have to do my part. But Father, I am trusting your grace, I'm trusting your word, I'm trusting your principles, I'm trusting that you would give me wisdom and give us wisdom, uh, Lord, in each individual situation. We give you the glory for it, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of God. So it's important that we study the gifts of the Spirit. That's how come school is vital, school is very important. It's, it's something that we all need to do. Because, you know, you'll, you'll get people that take a, a verse out of context and then, unfortunately, it might seem that the Bible is not making sense. But no, it does make sense, but we have to study each topic according to its context. And in the New Testament, when the church was born, you could see that there were gifts uh, that were given to the church. 
um, from, from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after you receive the Holy Spirit and, and, and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And then as the book of Acts rolls out, you see how the apostles and the disciples with great power and, and, and anointing, they ministered in different settings. And many of the settings were very difficult. Many times they were jailed for their faith. Uh, Paul wrote two-thirds of the Bible, or rather two-thirds of the New Testament, and portions of the New Testament, he wrote, wrote them in prison. So it was not a, a, a cruise. Sometimes I'll go on a cruise with my wife, I'll do a little writing, a little reading. Uh, he was not in a cruise. Even when he was on a ship, it was as a prisoner. And the one time, the ship, there was total shipwreck, and even prophesied to them. He, he, he um, had a word of knowledge about what was about ready to happen uh, by the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, they didn't listen. But uh, he, in the word, he said, don't worry, the ship is going to be totally destroyed, but nobody will perish. The Lord shows me that nobody will perish. And that's the way it happened. But we can see from Jesus to the apostles to the disciples, uh, the evangelists and, and all of those that ministered in the New Testament where the gifts of the Spirit uh, were very edifying in nature in the process of ministry. So um, that has not died out. That is still evident. It's still alive. It's still very powerful. So in the coming weeks and months, I believe as we pray and seek God, as we open up to Him, as we allow Him to flow through us, I believe God's going to start using you in the train. He's going to use you in the workplace. He's going to use you in business. He's going to work with you, partner with you in your home, in helping to restore your family, helping to restore your, your purpose. I believe that God's going to raise some of you for government, uh, going to raise you up in, in the educational sector. God knows we need ministers in all of these sectors. Some of you will be raised up in, in, in the entertainment sector. God knows we need people to minister in the entertainment sector. So, um, and, and what, what I, I have finally come to realize, because sometimes we're looking for perfect scenarios to minister in. But no, uh, greater the evil, greater the sin, greater the grace. Amen. You understand? So uh, we need to understand we're in a post-Christian America. So right now we have many cultures, many philosophies. And, and so we have to ask God for wisdom as to how to minister in the proper context. Um, you know, we're not trying to offend people, but sometimes the message itself will be uh, offense enough. So you need to be at peace with your faith. And uh, you need to be at peace and be ready to minister when you can. Uh, the book of Daniel shows how the mighty, the mighty Daniel himself, his church, his pulpit was Babylon. So not for nothing. That was not uh, uh, like a, a Christian America, so to speak. It was not a place where you could go to the street corner and minister or have open church like we do today. It was Babylon. Uh, Joseph, mighty man of God, right? Anointed, huh? Flowed in the Spirit, in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, his pulpit was uh, Pharaoh's court. So some of you are being raised up to minister in Pharaoh's court. You've got to be comfortable with that. You have to understand that's where God is placing you. Man, I wish God would put me in a place where you know, I could be at peace and minister. No, sometimes God's going to send you right into the trouble. Because that's where light has to be, in darkness. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I wanted to share about the gifts is that all the gifts have been given by the same Holy Spirit. So say to your neighbor, you have a gift. Tell your neighbor, it's given by the Holy Spirit. The other thing about it is that God gives gifts for the edification of all. So tell your neighbor, your gift is for me. And this 
this opens up this issue about selfishness. Many times we're not in the mood to minister. Hello? So I'm not in the mood. I don't want to minister today. I'm tired, man. I haven't eaten. I'm you know, hungry. I'm cranky. You know? I'm dealing with a hangnail, man. I'm not in the mood to, you know, to minister to anybody. And that's the moment God will move upon you to minister to somebody. And you have to remember, you're just a steward of that gift. You don't own that thing. You're a steward. You're a manager of it. You're not the owner. God's in the mood of using His gift. So you have to understand, you as the co-laborer of Almighty God, you're His junior partner. I mean, you don't go to the CEO of your company saying, nah, I don't want to follow your vision. I got my own vision. He will show you the, a door. It's marked exit, and on the other side, you're fired. Yeah, I mean, you either do it my way or the highway. That's the way it is. But in the kingdom of God, we think that because we have a gift, we could use it, you know, whichever way we please, when we want to, if we please. We feel like it. And, of course, to only those that we like. Well, I'm not going to miss. Praise God. I love you, Lord. I love this whole group there. But that one over there, as far as I'm concerned, bring them some tribulation, Lord. Let them suffer a little more. Pray for healing? Nah. Let him keep that flu for another week and a half. Teach him something, God. You're humbling him. Amen. Glory to God. No, 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 no. That, we don't do that when we please. Oh, no. Some people think that way. I love everybody, but I'm not going to pray for that one there. Hallelujah. And in 1 Corinthians 14, the last verse, it says, Let everything be done decently and in order. Years ago, I, I was in a church, and this, this lady starts jumping up and down, and she starts saying, pray for this one. She's got demons. She's got demons. She stopped praying like if she had some form of manifestation and, and screaming out so the whole church could hear and pointing out to her neighbor, which happened to be a first-time visitor. So you know where that visitor went? You know that door called exit? Yeah. She took herself out. She says, I'm not going to be in there with those nutcases. Really, I mean, that's, that's the way they think many times of church folk because we, we, don't, we don't use wisdom. We don't, we don't use logic and wisdom. You know, a God, when you got saved, God did not take your brain away. He didn't take your thinking processes away. No, some people just stop thinking. I went downtown one time to the National Day of Prayer. And I was one of the people that were supposed to pray. Well, yeah, downtown. And I'm on my way, and you have a whole group of people praying. I'm about ready to go in. This guy comes up to me with a track. He says, here, a track of the Word of God. I said, sir, I'm coming to prayer. I'm a Christian like you. So He says, no, you need a track of the Word of God. I said, sir, I, I'm, I'm a Christian like you. Use it for somebody that doesn't know. Don't waste it on me because I know the Word already. I'm going to pray. Actually, we're going to pray. Do you want to No, you need the Word of God. You need to repent and Word of God. I feel like going... <laughs> Chico, yeah, you know, do this right if you're gonna do it. But then again, that's me. No, no, listen. I'm, after a while, you're not doing anybody a favor. Years ago, I, I, when I was first getting into this, I was a teenager. I was, I don't know, maybe 17, 18 years old. I, I really liked this evangelist. I liked his energy. So I went with him. I said, "Can I go with you one day to evangelize?" So he took me to the streets, and he had a bullhorn. You know what I'm saying? Stop right now, freeze. You know those type of bullhorns? Well, he, he used to use it to preach in the streets uh, on 103rd, 105th, 107th, 3rd Avenue, you know, that, that east side area. So I'm with him, I'm watching, and he goes up, he goes, You lady over there with those pants, take them pants off. 
Take those pants and put the proper attire. You're going to split hell wide open. You over there with a cigarette. You better turn that thing off. And I'm going, oh. I mean, I was in pain. I'm saying, if this is evangelist, I'm, I'm not evangelist then. But I realized the guy was out of order. That's not ministering in love. That's not edifying in love. You know, uh, the, the, the one who wrote this, the man of God, Paul, he said, I show you a better way. Agape, love. When you do things in love, you refrain from time trying to harm a person. You, you, what you lose, you'll minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in the context uh, of the way it was brought in its purest form. And that is in love. And so we find that in churches many times we don't understand that. We don't under, understand the context of the book. The Bible is a love book to humanity. And we lose that somewhere along the line. And the longer we're saved, sometimes the more nasty we get. My wife, sometimes she, you know, if I, if I get a little irritated with her, sometimes she goes, snappy. <laughs> yeah, and it just seems like it's a new word she has, you know. Like every year she adopts a new word. I have like at least 32 names. So every year I have a new name. <laughs> so now this year that she coined me, it's the year of the snappy. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I can get snappy. I, 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 I understand that. So. But w I'm trying to make a point, guys. The lady's all enjoying the moment. Yeah, all right, fine. Enjoy your moment, all right? Go ahead. You should just, you should just stand and bow or something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> But I find, I find so many snappy Christians in church. You know? Really, they're always irritated. They never have anything good to say. They don't edify each other in love. And so when she calls me snappy, I just go and kiss her and that's it, right? So we, we make it right. But, you know, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm being serious here. In church, many times, we come with the worst attitude. We don't check that attitude. We have to really, really understand that as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, the way we behave in general society creates a perception. And some people would never want to go to some churches because they go to these churches and they, they just prune faces. Nasty. No love. No joy. And how are you going to attract people like that? How is the love of God going to be expressed if we don't share the joy of the Lord? If we don't do our best to express the love of God? So everything has to be done decently in order, but everything also has to be done in love. So the context of the order is to enhance the experience of every member, of every visitor. You know, you go to Yankee Stadium, you can't just sit in any chair you want. You have to sit in C392. If you sit in C393, the usher will kindly come to you and say, you're in the wrong chair. Right? Last week, I went on Amtrak. They asked me for my ticket, my number, and it had to be specific. I had to be in a specific car. You know, I, I was in a nice car. I, I, went, I decided to go business class this time. And I enjoyed that because I, I got the seat to myself. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where, where you want to be alone, but you can't because you're in an economy. You've ever been there? You're just not in the mood, but yet 
But this time I felt so good. I sat, it was nice, large chairs. Yeah, and then people were, other people were coming in, but it was only two or three, so he sat in another chair. So I said, yes. So I put my stuff in the next chair, and I just enjoyed it. I sat back, out a great time. But going back to Philly, or going back to Snappy, <laughs> I have found that the way I present myself has a lot to do with how the gifts of the Spirit operate in and through me. Because when we have the correct heart, God will flow mightily through you. But when we have a bad attitude, sometimes he has to limit the amount of flow that will come through you. Because we'll do more harm than good. So in everything being done decently in order, we have to always remember, let us do it in love. So let's give, me a, let's give you a couple of examples. In John chapter 4, you could just write it down. I'll just, I'll just uh, discuss the point. Jesus went to the well. He finds a woman there, a Samaritan woman. And he opens up a dialogue with her. And after a while, he just starts uh, sh sharing uh, by the Spirit of God. Uh, she says, uh, listen, uh, how come you're talking to me? Uh, Jews and Samaritans don't talk. At that time, there was no communication. He says, woman, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water. I'd give you water that would give you eternal life. And she said, ooh, I want that, you know. And then he says, where's your husband? She says, no, he, I don't have a husband. I says, you're right, because you've had five. And the one you're with, you're currently not married with. She went, whoa, it blew her away. He says, sir, are you a prophet? <laughs> And then she asked him the question, are you a Messiah? He says, yes, I am. I'm the Messiah. So she ran back to her people. She said, listen, I met a man that told me my whole life. And because of that gift in action, it caused a whole community to come to saving faith in Christ. She said, you need to understand the gifts are for edification. The gifts draw the nations. When the, the, the word of prophecy is used correctly, it would draw people. It will expose people's hearts, not in a negative way, but it'll, it'll expose their pain. It'll expose what they're going through, and then the word of knowledge can combine with the word of prophecy to give them direction, to give them instruction. Word of wisdom could combine to give them, literally, total deliverance. So it's very vital. So let's discuss some of these gifts, just very briefly. I know you're all in Bible college, so you know this already, so I'm just going <laughs> to refresh. It's just, just a refresher. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Word of wisdom is a momentary fragment of knowledge that you don't normally possess, that God will give you for yourself, your family, or for somebody else. Wisdom. It's a wisdom that's above and beyond the natural factor. Be above and beyond your natural limitations. God might give you wisdom of a situation that's about ready to happen. He might give you wisdom on your job. He might give you wisdom for your family, for your children. He might give you wisdom for ministry. So we need that from time to time. So ask God for wisdom. How many of you pray for wisdom every day? I pray for wisdom every single day. Lord, grant me wisdom, understanding. Fill me with your presence, with wisdom and with power and with boldness. That I could do things with boldness. Because the, the world, uh, situations, circumstances, uh, you know, they, they, they hit your confidence. They, they affect your confidence. So we need boldness sometimes to be able to take a stand, to make decisions. Um, especially those of you that your decisions affect many people. So sometimes a word of wisdom will come in right at that moment. At the moment that we need it. Another one is the word of knowledge. A knowing, a sudden knowing about a situation, a circumstance, something that's going to happen soon. And God will give you that so you could pray for it. Sometimes God will give you a word of wisdom. It's not for you to blab it, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to meddle a bit. 
Some of you think you get wisdom or you find out something about somebody's life. In two minutes, you're on the phone. It's called phone ministry. Oh, you know, I just found this out. I want you to know just so you could pray. Well, God didn't give that to you so you could start sending it around all over the place and destroy the person's testimony. I'm not getting any amens right now. You know what that really is called? It's called gossip. And it's not acceptable to God because you're destroying a person's character. The Bible says love conceals a sin. In other words, you'll deal with it, you'll get it healed, but you won't blab it to the world. What is it going to help if I tell this person who, by the way, is going to do the same thing and tell somebody else, Joe, Larry, Curly, and Moe, and by the time it comes around, that person will find out that everybody knows. And meanwhile, what good did we do? What encouragement did we give that person? So many times God will give you something that's for you to pray. And if He releases you, then you share it. But don't just share it with everybody. Share it with the leadership. Share it with those that will be in empowered to be able to minister to that person yes. instead of blabbing it all over the place there's a great sin in the body of Christ is the tongues wag too much Thank you, we're constantly talking and yapping about each other and yet we're not edifying each other oh now I'm getting the malocchio here you're looking at me with that evil eye now and you, you want to some of you oh, see that's the problem with church every time I go to church they come to beat me up well sometimes we need to get beat up it's not your business to be sharing stuff around the place Hallelujah. All right. Then it says, by another, faith by the same spirit. You know, the gift of faith is a powerful thing. Not your normal everyday faith. When you come to Jesus, there's a, you know, we all have a measure of faith. But sometimes you have faith for the impossible. I remember one time it happened to me. I was out of work for three months. And I remember going to, um, uh, I was on my way to pray, and I told my wife, and suddenly I, remember, I just felt inside of me just a surge of confidence. And I told her, so I'm going to go get me a job right now. And where did I go? To the room and prayed. I got on my knees, and I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I've looked for three months. I've sent out all my resumes. I've called everybody that I can. Now it's up to you, Lord. I'm, I'm asking you that you supernaturally open up the door. So I prayed that prayer. And I came out of there knowing I had a job. And that was Tuesday. And on Friday, I went to an interview. And my, my presentation was, I gave him the resume. He says, I'm the man for the job. You need to put me there. And Monday, I was employed. Amen. No, but you need to understand, it wasn't just a regular job. The guy just dropped me off in a brand new multi-million dollar building. He says, manage the whole thing. That doesn't happen. You have to first meet with the sponsor. You have to take a lie detector test. You have to be properly vetted because you're responsible for multiple millions of dollars. And it was a brand new building, so it was transitioning from construction over to residential management. So you have to put the right person there. And this man looked at me. And the reason why I know it was the Spirit of God all over him is because he kept on looking at me and kept on saying, you're too young for the job. I shouldn't give this to you. Why should I bother giving you? I don't even understand why I'm talking to you about this job. You shouldn't be having You're too young for this. I need somebody older. Just get yourself over here Monday and then just before I change my mind. I'm serious. The weirdest, nuttiest interview I ever experienced in my life. And Monday I had the job. But Tuesday I knew I had the job. Because I operated in a spirit of faith. God gave me a momentary uh, supernatural empowerment of faith. I just knew it. So then I made my declarations at that very time. And I had my job back on Tuesday. But it manifested Monday morning. 
Hallelujah. And that'll happen to you from time to time. You just know it. I'm not talking about presumption where you think. I'm ta talking about their times. And it's few and far between. It won't happen a lot in your lifetime. But there are times where, uh, where you need that and, and the Spirit of God will determine, let that gift flow through you at the moment. As the Spirit wills. Now, there are some gifts that are natural to you that will flow continuously. Prophets can prophesy all the time, pretty much. They, 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 they have that constantly flowing in them. I have a gift to teach. So you could call me at 2 in the morning and that gift will flow through me on a regular basis. You know, they're evangelists. They'll, evangelists, they'll evangelize on Dunkin' Donuts at 8.30 in the morning just before work. It's just some things flow continuously. Some people have singing gifts. And my, my God, they, they could be as dry, hoarse, and so you sing something and they'll sing an opera. Uh, there, there are gifts that... that, that, that <laughs> behave, Nate, behave. So there are some gifts that will flow with regularity in your life, and that's for the benefit of the body. And I'm saddened because there are some people that are very gifted and talented. They leave the church, they, mo they go make a fortune in the world, and then they forget what the gift is for. Amen, amen. And then they're walking around pompous, you know, like a big turkey walking around with a big chest, you know. I'm the man. Yes, right. I'm the man. And you ladies too. I've seen you ladies too walking around just like that. One of my mentors years ago when I was a teenager in the church where I was born again, he says, no problem. The bigger the turkey breast, the bigger the oven waiting to roast it. <laughs> it sounds better in Spanish. But it has a good meaning. You know, in other words, pride comes before the fall. Yes, yes. You know, we don't understand. God gives you a gift and you misuse it. You're going to be accountable to it sooner or later. Exactly. Because all we are is stewards. We really don't own anything that we carry. All those that have died can attest to that. It stays here. It doesn't go to the afterlife. It is only useful here. And God judges us by what we use them, or rather how we use them here on earth. I don't need any amens. I just don't. I just don't need any. I, I'm self-motivated. All right. To another working of miracles. There are people God uses in miracles. Just unusual, uncanny miracles. And, and it's, it's a pleasure to be in that atmosphere. I've been there where I've seen uh, awesome, incredible miracles. Things that are incredible. Things that are impossible in the natural. I've seen some of them. They've just blown me away. And I love that. But again, it's, it, God gives it to whom he wills. Another one is um, prophecy. You'll find that much in churches, in local houses, and small groups many times. That, you know, I, I, I firmly believe in prophecy, but having said that, let everything be done decently and in order. Can you, can you repeat that with me? Let everything be done decently and in order. I've seen people use prophesy, prophecy to hurt others. I've seen people use prophecy to manipulate others. Sometimes... A, per a person thinks they're prophesying. They're not prophesying. It's just a subjective feeling toward another person. Exactly. So you have to be very careful. The Bible says, test the spirits whether they be of God or not. So if anybody brings you a word of the Lord, supposed word of the Lord, you have permission, scriptural permission, you have the right to test that, whether that be God or not. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. Yeah. Just because somebody comes and yay, the Lord will say to you, He's going to bless you and He's going to do this and that and the other and the You take that, you say, okay, sounds good. Write it down. Now let me test it. You test it against scripture. You test it against your own spirit. Because if it's abrasive against your own spirit, you, you put a check on it. You say, let me, not, let me not receive it just yet. Let me test.
test this. And you go to God in prayer because God will always confirm something with two or three witnesses. If it be God, God will confirm it through another prophet or through a dream, a vision. He'll confirm it via the word. But if somebody comes up, yay, the Lord said to you that you're to di you, um, divorce this one and marry the other one. Hallelujah. Amen. Great day for you, Nate. <laughs> what does Nate do? According to scripture, he says, you're out of order, sir. Amen. That's not the word of the Lord because I know what the Bible says. Prophecy will never come against the scripture because the, the scripture is the perfect word of prophecy. So all of these gifts will only aid and help your walk with God in accordance to the word of the Lord. So when there's prophecy, you see even in this church, we don't allow people to just jump up and down and say whatever they please. If, you want, if you're sensing something from the Lord, I need to hear about it, or you need to speak to the prophet of the house, Pastor Gwen. Because she's prophetic in nature, and she'll hear you, and she says, you know, maybe it's not time for this now. Maybe God's giving you something so you could pray for it. It's not time to be released yet. And so we're not trying to control the atmosphere. What we're trying to do is not try to release nonsense in the church. Because I'm telling you, I've seen it where there's open mic. We used to have open mic in the 70s. I mean, open mic could be a disaster. And it usually was. Because people would come up there and speak the, the, the nastiest nonsense. One time, uh, this guy gets up and starts insulting the entire church. And it's supposed to be um, a moment for testimony. You should get 45 minutes for testimonies and edification. Guy gets up, he starts insulting everything. The pastor had to stand up. Whoa, 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 sit down. You're out of order. The elders got up. Everybody got up. The guy was, the guy was almost beat up by the whole church. And he was. He was out of order. That was not the time for that. So what I'm saying is we want to release a prophetic atmosphere, but we want things to be done decently and order. And we want the congregation to be edified. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I remember years ago, a guy came to our church recommended by somebody else, and I really didn't invite them, but one of the members of our church decided he wanted to bring him in. That's fine, because I trusted the guy, but this, this guy, many years of experience, so we presupposed that he would edify the church. He got up, he started saying, I could cast the devil out of any one of you right now. Right now, I can cast out the devil. So the congregation started raising up their hands, because they knew scripture. He says, sir... Do you have any covering? Where did you get these teachings from? Because we want to genuinely know. Because I taught them. It's okay to question. In an atmosphere that you can't question, that's not a proper atmosphere. Truth can always be tested. If I teach something, you should be able to question me about it. I should be able to give you quotations. I should be able to tell you where I got my material from. And if I can't, and if all I can say, well, the Lord said. How can I argue that? Well, God said. Oh, can you give me a little more than that, please? Because that's subjective many times. Well, the judgment of God is going to come on you if you don't listen. Because God said, well, no, this is. See, when this says it, I believe it that way. But when a man says it, see, you got God, man, and the message. The man can mess up the message. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm saying this to the wrong church, man. I'm going to go like five blocks down where, where they're going to understand this. No, I'm serious because we have preconceived notions. We have biases. Sometimes we don't know the whole truth. You know, some, some ministers are dangerous in the kingdom of God. Because they're so ignorant about a subject, yet they want to teach about a subject. And what they do is they teach ignorance. 
And the Bible said, my people perish for lack of understanding. In other words, they perish because of ignorance. My God. See, so that's why in this church, if we hear a prophetic word, we'll test it. And we have the right to, and Scripture tells us to do so. So that we could get the proper benefit from it. And if it's not the word of the Lord, then we will excuse it, put it to the side, and we keep on walking, keep on praying to the Lord for wisdom. So then you have also to another discerning of spirits. Well, discerning of spirits, many people misunderstand what that is. That's when you actually see or understand and know the spirit behind the operation. Because you know there are evil spirits in the world. Some people think that it's, it's oh yeah, I know that person. Uh, you know, God speaks to me about people. And you, you think just because they're a certain way, they're quiet, oh, it's because he's got this and this. That's not discerning of spirits. They got a bad day. And we, we try to translate their actions or interactions or reactions and, and say, oh, uh, that, that must be the spirit of this. The spirit of, oh, no, no, this guy just woke up in the wrong side of the bed this morning. There's no spirit there. It's just the human spirit. The person himself, his soul, he's vexed. You don't know what was happening. You know, maybe he got fired. Maybe something happened. Maybe he had an argument. So discerning a spirit, you'll actually know the spirit that's in operation. God will show you. There are men and women of God that, that have testified. Uh, they flow in that spirit. Sometimes they have seen, a uh, person has a migraine for like three weeks. They've seen literally in the spirit realm, a little imp just grabbing their head. And God has shown that. Then they says, come off of him in the name of Jesus. And the thing has fallen down and ran out. And suddenly they say, oh man, I don't feel it anymore. In the natural, they don't see it. But this person operated in a momentary fragment of knowledge called discerning of spirits. Then he coupled it with, you know, that authority that he has to be able to pray and command those things to leave. And the spirit left. Nothing hokey pokey about it. We know that there are many realms that exist out there. I don't believe in all this spirit stuff. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have an iPhone? Right? Does somebody have an Android? Right, so you know, you, you, know you, you flow in the spirit realm all the time. How in the world does that person talk to you with that thing when it's not connected? Where is it connected? How does a message get from one place to another? It's on another realm it, it's on something you don't see with the natural eye yes, that's right. right now there are many beings on your body many they're microscopic in nature just because you don't see them don't mean they're not there right on your eyelids you have millions of little organisms live their entire life on your eyelids mm-hmm. that's true and that's their community right? they're having church right now on your eyelids you don't <laughs> even know it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're, they're, they're worshiping, they're having a great time, you know, going swimming, you know. We don't know how those things live, we just, but, you know, the, the more knowledge you have, you realize, my God, we're just, we're not the only beings here. This world is incredibly, it's teeming with life. But also in the spirit realm, uh, the Bible makes it very clear, our fight is not with, with flesh and bone, and it's principalities and powers. One time there was a prophet, uh, three nations came against this prophet because this prophet would always speak to the king of Israel. He, he would say to him, listen, by the way, uh, they're on their way here to attack you. So he would have advanced knowledge. So every time the enemy came, already Israel was ready. So the king on the other side says, you know, I got somebody here that's telling my business out to the president, the most secret business to the king of Israel. So one of the people says, it's not that. It's that prophet over there, he hears from God and he tells 
everything you're going to do in your secret chamber. So they came to arrest the prophet. So the prophet's in his living room. His servant is there. They hear the noise of horses. So the prophet opens up the window and he sees a myriad of soldiers uh, and the armies coming against him. He says, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? He goes, Father, would you open up his eyes a moment that he might see that they're more actually with us than with the enemy? And suddenly God opened up this man's momentary spiritual sight and he was able to see a myriad of angels on horses, chariots of fire. And he, he blew them away. For that moment, he was able to see. Now, what created the angels? Were the angels created the moment that his eyes were opened? Or were they there all the time? They were always there. We just didn't see them. So we know there's a spirit realm. So in discerning of spirits, God will show you the spirit that's in operation at that moment. But needless to say, that's a supernatural thing. It's not a natural feeling. I just, I just feel that that person's feeling this way or that. No, that's not discerning of spirits. What about different kinds of tongues? We heard some tongues today in the, in the service, during the service. And we saw tongues and interpretation of tongues. From time to time, you'll see that in the service. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's go there a moment. Look what it says in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So Paul was saying... When you speak in tongues, nobody understands you because it's a spiritual exercise. But yet when you speak in the language that people know, everybody edifies. So Paul, if you read the chapter, he was a proponent of prophesying and teaching and edifying the congregation. And he says he would use tongues more on a private nature to edify his own, body, his own spirit man. That's what that particular chapter says. But in public, he preferred to use 10 words in a known language so everybody could edify instead of 10,000 words in tongues. Unless you interpret. Mm -hmm. So in the service, we prefer, according to 1 Corinthians 14, that if we're going to speak in tongues out loud, that we translate or interpret so everybody could understand. You you got it? Mm -hmm. If it's something for your own edification, we might decide in a time of worship, all of us just speak in your prayer language. You do it you know, as an act to God. We're worshiping God. But if right now, somebody stands up and starts speaking in tongues. Okay? So we're stopping. Or I'm waiting. Because I'm not understanding. That sounds like gibberish to me. Right? But if God gives the interpretation, then it can become a message that all could be edified in. So if you're going to speak in tongues just to edify your own self in your own prayer language, fine. You do it by yourself, God, in your chair, at home, wherever it might be. But in a public setting, seek to get the understanding so that everybody can be edified. We've seen in churches, people stand up, they start I mean, screaming out and speaking in tongues, but don't give an interpretation. Now, I don't mind, we go public with this, but let's make sure everybody gets edified. You got it? Amen. It's very vital, very vital. Otherwise, we're out of order. 
And then it says here, if somebody comes, a stranger comes in, and everybody's talking in tongues, they'll come in, they'll say, this group is crazy. You read it yourself, and they'll leave. They won't stay. But if he comes in, and in an intelligible language, you start speak to him, speaking to him the issues of his heart, the things that he's going through, he'll fall before God. And he'll repent, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll ask for a relationship with Almighty God. Then the gift was used correctly. Amen? So you read it yourself, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you'll be able to get all that. Um, in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, the Lord speaks to Peter, says, you got to go to this place, this house, a guy named Cornelius has been praying, and I've shown him that you're going you're gonna to come over. So he's going to send you people so that you can go with them to Cornelius' house. God gave him a vision. God gave Cornelius, um, God gave Cornelius and also uh, um, Peter visions. And he connected them. Amen. Now it's interesting. Why didn't God just give him the gospel message himself? Why didn't the angel that came to Cornelius just share the gospel himself? Why did the angel go to Cornelius and say, Cornelius, you need to ask for Peter because he has words for you? Isn't it interesting? The angel didn't preach the gospel. You know why? It's not the responsibility of the angels to preach the gospel. It's humans' responsibility. It's our responsibility to preach the gospel. But the angel will set it up. But the bottom line is, we have to do the preaching. So Cornelius obeys. He has Peter come over. Peter comes in and he sees it. A Gentile house. And God is speaking to a Jewish apostle to come over to a Gentile house and preach the gospel. He says, surely today I've realized that God has no partiality with people. He loves the Jew and the Gentile alike. See, until that point, they were only preaching among the Jewish communities. But God took them out of that community. So remember, it starts in Jerusalem, but it goes to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, everybody gets to hear the gospel. God loves the world. For so God loved the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that Whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So in the process, he's preaching and he's teaching and he's sharing what Jesus went through and suddenly the Spirit of God comes upon all of the household and they all were filled with the Spirit of God. He, he, blew, he blew him away, blew the people away that were with Paul, uh, Peter. But now, how did he know that they were filled with the Spirit of God? That's my question. Because the Bible says it, but how did he know? The Bible wasn't present at the time. Well, let's go. The answer is right in the chapter. See, this, this is easy. It's not complicated. I mean, you know, you're breaking your heads, but meanwhile, you got to do is read it. All right. So let's go to verse 44 of Acts chapter 10. Verse 44. Got it? You want to? Oh, okay. Cool. Look at that. So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came to, with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So, so it was a physical manifestation. So they saw... Uh, the tongues in action, they saw that particular uh, aspect of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So they were filled with the Spirit of God. So that has happened over and over and over again. In our churches, in the next 
two weeks, we're going to have a, a prophet come over. Next two weeks. I think it's the 18th and the 19th, is it? Yeah. I think, Jessica, you need to share at least 25 more times for us to get it. Get it in your calendars. This is not an option. You must be there Thursday and Friday. Oh, I'll be there. I might get the days mixed up, but I'll get it correct. By that day, I'll get it correct. You must be there Wednesday and Thursday. Am I right? Wednesday and Thursday? This is not an option. We will send police officers to your house, wherever you're at, and we will get you here. You need to be here. It's gonna, this man, he's an international prophet, and, and the only reason why I'm able to get him here is because it's out of relationship. I have friends in ministry, and he's, he's already in the city, so he has those two days off. So instead of him just touring the city, he's going to work two more days. And he's going to come here and be with us. And, and if you're not here, somebody else will be in that chair. Believe me, this place will be packed because several other churches are going to be present. But what's going to happen that day is you're going to see the gift of prophecy coupled with a gift of teaching and deliverance. So not crazy stuff, but stuff that's going to edify and bless each and every one. And, and God might speak to several of you of, uh, regarding your own personal life. And, and maybe a word of wisdom might, because also the, the prophet also flows with the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, by the way. So you're going to see that in operation also. And I love it. I'm looking forward to it. So if you don't show up, I'll be here. I'll get my part. Amen. Amen. When? You got my back? Amen. Well, I, I like, thank you, sir. That, that's a high five moment right there. High five, high five. Hey, amen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that, appreciate that. So we'll continue this next week because there's just too much to this. And it is. It's a very detailed, long, didactic teaching. But needless to say, you have gifts inside of you. You have gifts inside of you. You have gifts. All of you. All of us have gifts. And as you give them to the Lord, God will work through you mightily. And the more you give yourself to God, more that gift will flow in its pristine, pure form. And you'll edify the body of Christ. You'll edify your brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll edify your own life. It'll minister to you. And it will always draw you to Jesus. Anything that pushes you away from God, that's not the Spirit of God. Anything that draws you from God. See, the Lord will bring conviction upon you and that will draw you to God. The enemy will bring condemnation to you and it will draw you away from God. So you know it's God when it's drawing you to Him. You know it's not God when it's pushing you away from Him. Amen? Amen? So the greatest thing and the reason why all these gifts operate is to draw us close to Jesus. So right here, right now, where is your relationship with Almighty God? How are you doing with Almighty God? Who's on the throne of your heart? Yes. 